So Matt, can you hear me? What's going on, man? What's going on? Can you hear me? No, I can't hear you. Let me get my uh, sync real quick. I was finishing up some notes for this thing. Awesome, man. No worries. Great uh, to see you. I like that background. Hey, thanks. About to take it off here in a second. It's just <laughs> meetings earlier, and so gotta look uh, professional, you know. Absolutely, yeah, man. I like it. No worries. How's your day going, brother? It's going well, man. It's going well. How's your day? Just working? Yeah, man. Just getting some work done today. Um, it's been a phenomenal day. Dropped my fiance's ring off to get resized. They got that knocked out. Just getting some work done. Getting some follow-ups meetings done for the man school, man. Uh, getting all the guys lined up to launch in August. So I'm, I'm trying to get 10 guys together to go in August. It's going to be epic. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to how that goes, man. You're going to have to keep me updated as far as Absolutely. how that's going. I certainly yeah, will, man. I'm stoked to have you uh, come through next year. It's going to be epic. Yeah, man, it is. Yeah, like I said, I got a good excuse. I'm going to be doing ministry work. So yeah. there you go. That's a good excuse to have, brother. All right. You, you good to go? What's that? Uh, give me like 50 seconds. I got to make sure this mic's all synced up. No worries. Let's see. Microphone. Okay, we got microphone, blue snowball. Hear me okay? Yep. Oh, that's that's a good microphone. Okay. All right. Good deal. I can't wait to get a boom for it so it can be up here. I just haven't spent the money yet. So I got my I got some scripture ready to go, man. This is going to be awesome. All right. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. All right, we're going to start off with some prayer. All right, man, let's do it. All right. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for our opportunity to get to know um, get to know you. Um, I just ask that we may be able to learn something today, be able to know how to better be prepared for you, God. Um, just be with us. Uh, thank you so much for another day of life, another day to breathe. Um, and Holy Spirit, just come down in this this talk that we're going to have. And maybe just be able to give insight, some love, some knowledge. And for anyone that's listening, that's going to listen, uh, whatever is deep within the heart, God, may they be able to offer it up to you. In your most precious name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right. So, yeah, man, welcome to Pursuing the Kingdom, man. Thank you for coming on. Heck, yeah, I'm stoked. Let's get it. Let's get it, man. So yeah, um, for those of you who do not know Oliver, um, why don't you give yourself like an introduction, man? Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, what you're passionate about, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, my name is Oliver. Um, let's see, I am, oh man, that's a, that's a loaded question, brother. So I am a uh, Army National Guard officer, um, real estate investor, um, and a man school strategist. So I have a coaching business where I do mindset coaching, and I work with guys in an online course called The Great Man's Legacy. And we get to uh, cultivate virtue through working on processes to manage our mind, our body, and our goals. And it is such a blessing. Um, it's been my dream work for two years. And uh, now I finally, I finally get to do that. Um, so yeah, man, we are, we are trying to, we are trying to reignite the spark of masculinity to the father, through the son, and, uh, and through the hearts of men. All right. Awesome. And you're also engaged. Yeah, dude, I'm also engaged, man. Getting married in October. Golly, brother. You know, Instagram has been really good to me. Uh, met my fiance through Instagram. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I did not know that. Okay. That's yeah. awesome. 
it's uh it's a crazy story man it really is but praise god um he is so good she, I, I never would have met her otherwise she lives in boise idaho and i'm in indianapolis indiana mm-hmm. so it's just one of those god moments man and you know we're we're so excited to uh to have a family together and um yeah. you know it's crazy we'll, we'll probably get into it but we actually we actually didn't date we actually courted um we kind of threw it back in a big way to to courtship um what's the movie it's uh, a braveheart no not braveheart patriot style the patriot, patriot style, style. Mel gibson man yeah Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Speaking about God moments, man. Yeah. Let's dive right into it. Um, the topic for today is mostly about, you know, how to be a man. Uh, are you there? All right. You there? Okay. Got it. It, it just froze up a yep, little yep. bit. Um, yeah. But the topic for today is just how to, how to be a man. And so with that being said, the first question I want to ask you, Oliver, is what do you think is the biggest challenge right now for men in modern society? Man, that the biggest challenge it's comfort, man. It's, uh, we are surrounded by comfort all over the place and there's nothing wrong with a level of comfortability, right? But we're, it, we're so used to it and it's so easily accessible without really much effort that it's, it's easy to just indulge in that because what we've seen is we've, we've, we've developed so far as a society, as a civilization, and but the the advances have come so fast. I mean, just look at the grand scheme of how how quickly the iPhone developed, how quick um, the computers and everything, all our technologies developed over the past just twenty five years or so within our lifespan. But the thing is, virtue and discipline have not evolved at the same rate that technology has. And so we we've had this increase, this rapid increase in technology and availability of all manner of information and experiences and everything, but we have not had the same evolution of a morality, of virtue, and of discipline. Um, and so what's happened is we, we've embraced all this technology, all these advances, and we've kind of poo-pooed uh, discipline and virtue and morality and all these things that, that really moor us and tie us to our roots as a society, right? as, as Americans. But not just that. I mean, on a global scale, we see this, right? Um, and it's very, it's very weird. It's very weird. And uh, that is the, the biggest thing, man. It's, it's just the comforts. Okay, the comfort. So one of the things that you said was we're lacking virtue, we're lacking morality. And so yeah. right now, what do you think, for those that do not know what virtue looks like, how would you describe that? It's a really great question. Um, I actually can't define virtue. I really should be able to define virtue. But virtues are, uh, it's like qualities and characteristics and, and traits um, that aid in human formation. That's, that's the definition that, uh, that I would give, right? It's, um, it's, a, it's a certain behavior, right? Characteristics, like virtues um, – Virtues manifest in certain behaviors, right? And those behaviors display some kind of character, right? Usually uh, some, kind of, some kind of moral character, right? Some kind of moral standard, if you will, all right? So behaviors leading towards you displaying certain moral behaviors and actions. 
And, and we can see that if we look at the virtues, uh, you know, we have the moral virtues, for example, prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. All right. And then we have the, uh, the theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. Okay. And so all these virtues, when we're displaying the virtues of prudence, justice, fortitude, temperance, faith, hope, love, when we display those, right, those have certain characteristics tied to them. So if we're living our life based on these virtues, you, you really can't go wrong in terms of living your life as a, uh, as a rightly ordered human being. I mean, obviously, we, we can't take virtue outside of the context of pursuing Christ, right? Because then uh, that leaves us somewhere else. Um, but we need to be able to cultivate and understand what virtue is. Um, because when we don't, we, we really slide into kind of our own definition of, of how to live as a human being. And we try to redefine that as ourselves because um, if these are not undergirding our, our society and our behavior, right? Because virtue at its core is a behavior, right? You can, you can behave prudently or you can behave uh, rashly, right? Or imprudently, you can behave justly or you can behave unjustly. You can behave uh, with fortitude, with strength of, of moral fiber, or you can, um, you, can, you can behave cowardly, right? And effeminately. You can display the virtue of temperance, right? You can, you can behave with temperance. You can abstain from things. You can practice patience or you can be impatient. You can be intemperate, right? You can be um, very, uh, very uh, rude. Uh, you, can, you can indulge too much, right? You can, um, you can lust, right? You can commit adultery, all these things. So if society's not guided by virtue, then we're really guided by nothing. And specifically, if men are not guided by virtue, if, if that's not the driving force of their, of their behavior, then, then we're just kind of adopting whatever the popular culture is doing. And whatever the popular culture is doing is generally not the right thing to do. Gotcha, man. Got it. And so what do you think is the missing link that is preventing men from growing in virtue. You know, I think we're actually seeing a, a slow revitalization of virtue and in, in small pockets. You, I, I've seen a, an increase in, in eyes being curious in uh, historical figures like Marcus Aurelius and Stoicism. And, um, you know, uh, guys like Andy Priscilla, oh, right, launching 75 hard, the guys at Exodus 90 launching their program, right there. And, and you, you see this in, um, in just the surge in interest in things like Spartan races and yeah. tough mutters yeah. and these experiences of like hell week and, and idolizing Navy SEALs and the training they go through. And, and there's this burning desire within the hearts and souls of men for something difficult, something challenging, something that's real, something they have to work for. And, and that in itself is, uh, is very revealing of the ease we have it in culture and society. And so the missing link here for not cultivating virtue, we just, we just don't practice asceticism enough. We don't practice hardship enough. And I don't want to be... 
that doesn't mean, um, you know, something like super intense, like I'm going to fast for a week. No, asceticism can be as simple as I'm going to take a cold shower in the morning, or I'm going to fast from one meal today, or I'm going to say no to that second cup of coffee, right? That's asceticism. That's also sacrifice, right? And that develops really great virtue. Um, and so we're, we're seeing this kind of slow resurgence and it's interesting because, you know, I did say, you know, what the popular culture is doing is generally not the right thing to do. And that's correct. However, also the popular culture doesn't accurately represent, um, the, the majority of people in the world. And I'm talking specifically about America. We see people in Hollywood, we see people in the media. That's not an accurate representation at all of, of uh, you know, what's going on on the ground in American homes, okay? Mm. Um, and so we see this rejection of everything hard, anything that you have to work for, right? We see um, in, uh, in, in the popular culture, in, you know, with the popularization of, uh, of, of socialist ideology, of, of, you know, handouts and this people kind of clamoring for free college, and uh, we've seen over the past year in 2020 with the pandemic unemployment insurance, right? People free money. I talked to a lot of employers, man, and they're really having a hard time right now getting people to come back to work because they think they're going to get UBI. They think they're going to get universal basic income and the government's going to keep paying for whatever it is they're doing when they're not working. Because folks, working also cultivates virtue, right? That cultivates having to do something, having to exhaust yourself and pour yourself into some kind of work. And so wrapping it back around again, the missing, right? What is missing in the lives of men that would allow them to grow in virtue is we need to practice hardship, right? We need to practice asceticism, do things that are difficult. Um, and, and you know what? That's okay if it starts off in, in, of doing something difficult for the sake of doing something difficult. That can be a means to an end in itself. But eventually you need to graduate from that because just doing something for the sake of doing it um, doesn't really get you anywhere, right? Why are you practicing asceticism? Why are you denying yourself, right? It's more, it, it, it's more than just because I feel like doing that as a man, it's something that it, we just need to do. Like we want to be utilized. Like we want to use our skills and, and our masculinity kind of drives us in that direction. Um, and we need to graduate from just doing something hard for this for, for a means to an end in itself. We have to make that connection to Christ carrying his cross and being crucified to it. We need to make that connection. We are, we are doing something hard because we are called to emulate Christ. We are called to suffer for our faith, and we are called to discipline our will and bring our bodies into subjection so that we can have control over them. Because when we have disciplined wills, and our bodies are under our subjection, we can then focus our minds and our spirits on our Lord. I really like what you said as far as being crucified on the cross. I've never, I've never heard that before as far as we need to make an active intention of wanting to be crucified on the cross by doing hardship. I really like that. I really like that and doing hard stuff. Like, it's just simple as that, right? Like if you know that you want two cups of coffee, it's just not doing, it's not, it's, it's not taking that second cup or whatever it is that you, yeah. one desires that is not, that is not properly ordered, I guess you would say. That's, that's really good. And I like that. Um, what do you think, Oliver, if, if we're still going in the same route that we're going right now with modern society living in comfort, 
if we're still going in this direction, what do you think is going to happen if nothing Man. changes? Yeah, that's a, a lot of people have, have speculated on that. And I listen to a lot of podcasts about kind of Western civilization, masculinity, where things are headed, you know, political commentary and all this stuff. And it, there's a lot of different theories. I've, I've heard it tossed around, um, you know, the fall of Rome. And we're kind of running in tandem with the fall of Rome. And just kind of a quick recap, what ended up happening is Rome became so civilized, right? They, they became so rich and so wealthy that they started outsourcing everything. And so the young men stopped working and they had so many resources that they were able to start pursuing pleasure. And that uh, devolved actually into hedonism. And that's, what, that's what actually what we're seeing now. We're seeing a lot of young men uh, put off dating, put off marriage, right? There's uh, uh, pornography and masturbation are rampant causing erectile yeah. dysfunction. So men actually yeah. could not perform sexually, even if they wanted to, um, even if they had the drive to do. And uh, so Matt Farad's got some really great resources about that. Um, but, you know, it's the, the, the hedonism in the fall of Rome, what ended up happening is these young men were getting married. And so then the civilization just started to decline uh, because the birth rate fell, right? And we're actually seeing a fall in birth rate, which is interesting. Um, and so... That's what happened to the fall of Rome. Like the, the young men got weak, they outsourced everything, and they just kind of got taken over because nobody really desired to, to do anything challenging, to do much hard work. And I'm totally spacing on uh, a saint here, but there was a saint um, who I was just reading about, and I, I cannot for the life of me remember his name, but he was in Rome, and uh, he actually – was it St. Saint- I don't believe it was St. Benedict. Um, it might've been St. Benedict, but he was in Rome and he saw the monastery. It might've been St. Benedict, <laughs> but, uh, and, and so there's, there's, um, it's kind of scary because that's that we see a lot of parallels between the fall of Rome and, and what's going on in America right now and what's going on around the world. Uh, especially in, in specifically very civilized cultures, you know, uh, Western Europe and in and, and America. Um, and there's actually a really interesting scripture passage in Deuteronomy 6, um, verses 4 through 25, that kind of details, you know, it's interesting kind of, kind of where we are right now. And it's fascinating. Um, it's, it's actually a caution against disobedience. Um, mm. But in, in 4 through 25, you know, it's interesting. It's talking about, um, you know, the Lord, our God is one Lord and you shall love the Lord, obviously with all your heart. So the greatest command, but then it goes down to why we should teach our children to know God, why we need to teach our children God's word, because this caution, right, that that we see in Deuteronomy, it's uh, starting at verse 10, right? And the word in, and when the Lord, your God brings you into the land in which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham and Isaac and to Jacob, to give you with great excellent cities, which you did not build and houses full of good things, which you did not fill and cisterns hewn out, which you did not hew and vineyards and olive trees, which you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take heed lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt to the house of bondage you shall fear the lord your god you shall serve him and you should swear by his name you shall not go after other gods of the gods of the peoples who are round about you for the lord your god in the midst of you is a jealous god lest the anger of your lord god be kindled against you 
and you destroy you from the face of the earth. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested at Massah. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his decrees and the statutes which he has commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may go well with you and that you may go and take possession of all good land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers by thrusting out all your enemies from before you as the Lord has promised. When your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the decrees and the statutes and the ordinances which the Lord your God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders and great griefs against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us from there, what might he give us in the land that he swore to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all, all these statutes and the Lord our God for good always that he might preserve us alive to this day. And so... What we're saying here is when, you know, he talks about the cisterns you now and the vineyards that you did not plant, lest you forget the Lord, lest you forget the Lord your God. He's saying, like, look, once you come into the promised land, once you are delivered from all these things, once you are so prosperous and you're so mighty a nation, do not forget me. Because if you forget me, my wrath is going to be my wrath is going to be kindled against you. And we see a great parallel today of all days, right? In Psalm 106. Um, the readings of the day in the Catholic Church, and it's about Israel's confession of sin and being, you know, an exodus out of Egypt and then falling to idolatry in the golden calf and then falling again to idolatry in Baal, right? And, and this, this constant fall and coming back to the Lord and fall and coming back to the Lord. And so it's fascinating because it's, it's, it's like a warning. It is, it is a warning from the past that when you get so powerful, do not lose sight of where you came from because that will be your downfall. And we are losing sight of where we came from, right? There's that adage, right? Good men make hard times, hard men, or no, no, uh, hard men make good times, good good times make weak men, weak men make, uh, or soft men make weak times, weak times make hard men, right? And that over and over and over again, right now we're living in the time of soft men because we had great men that made really good times. And now we have good times and we're prospering. And those good times are producing soft men because we have not continued in the lessons of our fathers. We have not continued in the lessons of, of virtue and masculinity and, and obedience to, to God's commandments that this whole civilization has been founded on. Whether you like it or not, the West is founded on Judeo-Christian morality mm. and, and principles. And that, that's inextricably linked from our past. That's how we got here. And what happens when you stop doing something that got, to, that got you to where you are? You start to backslide, right? You start to backslide. And that's what we're seeing. We're starting to backslide, right? We're devolving into this, this weird kind of pagan hedonism that doesn't really have any, any grounding in much. Um, and that's what we see, you know, um, and it's very, very disheartening. So, uh, if nothing changes the direction we're going is, is that's exactly, you know, of idolatry and, and hedonism, man, uh, we this huge idol, the huge idol that we have is I'm pursuing what makes me happy. What fulfills me? It's all about me. I don't care about how it affects anybody else. This is what I, I think, therefore I am. And this is what I'm doing with my life. And that's very destructive um, because we've lost a sense of community. And, and that's also very sad. You know, the populations are very transient. Young people are very uh, not tied to one place. We see this in parishes and in, in the Catholic church, right? There are a lot of very transient young people who don't actually belong to a parish. I was one of those for a long time. 
you know, our work makes it very easy to kind of travel around and, and be almost uh, nomads. Um, mm. But nobody's really walked this, this new lifestyle out to its worthy conclusion to see how it ends, right? For years and years and years and generations, millennia, what has worked is, is, is virtue, is morality, right? Is faith. What has worked for years, we are now rejecting and throwing off, almost like it somehow imprisoned us. And we're wondering why things are all crazy. Um, and uh, so that's, if nothing changes, right? That's the direction in, it, it probably looks like we're headed. Not to be like an alarmist or anything, but it's, you know, it, it's actually kind of a, uh, it, it, one, it's sobering, but two, it's also a call to action. It's like, hey, right. this is happening. If you recognize it, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to start to try to change things? And when you want to start to try to change things, it starts with yourself first, right? Um, it's like when you get on an airplane and um, they tell you to put your own mask on before putting on anybody else's mask. And I know we just got out of 2020, so nobody wants to you know, talk about masks for like another 20 years. But uh, that's the reality. You got you right. to make sure your cup is filled before you can pour yourself out into another. So anyway, I'm going down a tangent. So that's where I perceive things are going. I want that tangent, man. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Because you're speaking facts, man. You're speaking facts. Um, I was literally thinking the same thing about what you were saying as far as uh, soft times, great weak men and the weak men whatever you know yeah right now we definitely are in the age of weak men and so we're not going to change unless something bad happens like inevitably that has to force us to have to grow into discipline and have we have we have to never like no matter what there is no excuse that we have to grow in discipline so we have to do that right now um, yeah. by choice um you said something earlier about how now it's it's no what you did with your uh, now engaged and your engaged fiance. You guys did courting and not dating. What what's your thought process as far as dating nowadays in the modern society, and how that whether that's good or whether that's bad or what what's your thought process on that? Yeah, I don't know, good or bad. I mean, <laughs> it's interesting. It it's uh, dating definitely needs moral direction, mm. and and I say that from from the standpoint of, of somebody who has messed up royally in dating in the past, who has made all manner of mistakes in young adulthood, in college, et cetera. Right. And, and all through, and after all that realizing none of this worked none of this was fulfilling, right. Mm. Um, the hookup culture is broken, obviously mm. it doesn't work. It doesn't lead to any kind of fulfillment whatsoever. Um, and uh, it's, it's, dating is is a very weird concept because you're going to get different answers from right. any church you go to you're going to get different answers from anybody you talk to what is dating what's the standard of dating like what what how far is too far right so dating operates kind of in this weird um kind of ambiguous blob space where there's not really any standard for dating outside of the standard that two individuals define for themselves and that's mm. harmful that is harmful because then again, that goes back to I'm defining my own reality for how I think things should be. I think therefore I am. And so <laughs> we need some, some, some standards 
uh, of not only self-worth and human dignity, but we need some standards of where is dating supposed to lead? You know, let's, let's, uh, uh, there's, there's a word for the root of words and I'm forgetting what that is. It's kind of ironic that I can't remember it. Um, but like, you know, we have to look at the, uh, the anthropology of the word, you know, of, of what dating is supposed to lead to. So dating logically to its natural conclusion, you know, we're supposed to uh, figure out what member of the opposite sex we're attracted to or spend time with them, see if we can get along, see if we can raise a family with that person and then actually go get married and, and have kids. Okay. And, and the whole purpose of dating is to get married and have a family. And so if you're doing anything in dating that doesn't, that it's not going to lead in some way to we're going to get married and have a family, right? Then that's, that's a, that's a broken thing. Like if you just, so let me, let me caveat that. So I think dating is a little bit different than court. Dating is very different than courtship, but dating in different seasons of life is also very different. For example, you can't just expect people to, you know, not date until they're like 18 or something like that. And then, and just, have like all these social skills built up with the opposite sex and you know how to interact well and how to actually facilitate a date and you know if you're a man how to how to plan it and how to you know engage in that but there definitely needs to be a standard of um a standard of uh, platonic dating early on right if you're not if you know you're not ready to intentionally get to know somebody with the end goal of getting married and starting a family, you should not be like romantically dating, right? There really shouldn't be that because you're not ready for that. So why put yourself in a situation that you're really not ready to get into? And so, you know, obviously we need to engage with, you know, members of the opposite sex. Men need to engage with women. Women need to engage with men to understand how those dynamics work. However, Dating in itself, right? Saying, oh, you know, we uh, we went on a date. Okay, let's start, you know, making out or let's uh, stay over at each other's places and let's, you know, go do all these things together. There's just not really any standard on it. So right. dating should really look more like courtship the way the world defines it is, okay, courtship begins with intention. It's like, okay, we're going to discern intellectually, like with, with our intellect, all right? and our logic, whether or not, you know, we actually get along and like spending time with each other. And we're going to do that as friends. Okay. And then from that friendship phase, you, you, you discern courtship. You're like, okay, well, we're getting along. Well, uh, you know, we're attracted to each other, which is a hugely important thing. Uh, if you're not attracted to a person, you probably shouldn't be dating them or courting them or considering that person for marriage because attraction is huge. And uh, so from courtship, right. You're like, Okay, how can we intentionally uh, put ourselves in situations and have discussions around developing virtues that would lead to a happy, healthy, and a holy marriage? And that happy, healthy, and holy marriage is meant to bear and support children and raise them up <laughs> to uh, further society, for the faith, and um, you know, further your family. And so, dating really just, man, it's it's almost like people come together to date just to have fun and, and kind of just engage in pleasure for pleasure's sake. And, um, 
without really any end goal in mind. It's just like, you know, let's just kind of get together and do these things and we'll kind of see where it goes, you know? And, and I think everybody knows that more, let's see where it goes. It's just like, I just want something out of this for me. You know, I either uh, need a companion or I feel lonely and I want comfort or I just want sex or I just want somebody to X, Y, and Z, right? In the secular society, that's what we see. Um, and it just doesn't really lead anywhere successful because then that relationship's not built on anything solid. It's just built on kind of fleeting passions, right? Versus when you choose to discipline your will and discipline yourself and say, you know what, we're going to, we're going to start this thing off with intention and we're going to start this thing off with, um, <laughs> a, a, a very large degree of discipline, uh, with our human passions, right? For example, I'm not saying this is what you have to do, but my fiance and I decided not to kiss until we get married. So save that first kiss until our wedding day. Um, and, and that has been immensely difficult. I'm not gonna, I can't lie to anyone that has been very challenging. Um, but, you know, uh, praise God that we're both on the same page, but something like that, something where, you know, okay, I need to exercise some degree of discipline because ultimately in marriage and in life, we need to exercise discipline. There's going to be places where you need to exercise discipline and folks, we play like you practice. If you ever played sports and you had crappy practices, I bet you had crappy games. If you had bomb practices, you probably won. So mm if you want to win at anything, you have to practice, right? And just practicing something doesn't make it perfect. You have to strive to practice perfectly in order to get great results. So all that said, um, dating right now is, is a mess. It just doesn't, it, it needs direction. It needs standards. Uh, it needs to recognize, uh, you know, the, the, the human dignity of persons. And, um, right now it just doesn't, it just kind of, you know, I, I, I desire pleasure from you um, for the most part without really leading anywhere. So hope that answers the question. <laughs> I haven't had such a on the point answer as you've been able to give it. So that I appreciate that a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the hard reality is to acknowledge that most majority of relationships right now, although at least the way that society is looking at how relationships should work in the dating mm -hmm. world is exactly what you said, which is yeah. what's in it for me. I just want this, whether it's pleasure or a connection with someone yeah. or mm -hmm. whether it's like to avoid loneliness or whatever. Like one of the most popular things now is to avoid loneliness is to just have a connection with someone else. And then in the secular world, because of the hookup culture of how it was and how it is right now, there's no longer a sense of commitment of wanting to follow through mm. with the end in mind yeah. because of how it's been acting. So we know this isn't working. The way that the, that the dating world is right now, it's not working. So there has to be a sense of going back to what you're saying of courtship at least not going fall in i don't think it's going to work going fall in you know hey guys everyone you got you got court <laughs> yeah but adopting some of those principles that's going to allow us to go in a better direction i think it's going to help right. tremendously yep keeping the end in mind i that's awesome I like that. I'm so glad I like where this you is going. summed it up so nicely, man. That's great. Keeping the end in mind, bringing in Stephen Covey.
<laughs> yeah, man. That's how it, that's how it should be. We, we're not doing that. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, man. Um, right now, what's something that you've learned recently that has allowed you to grow in virtue? Other than doing hard stuff, um, what do you think is something, what is something that you have done recently that has helped you tremendously grow in virtue that other men can begin to adopt? or anyone can begin to adopt in order to grow into virtue. Oh, man. You know, what's really revealing is uh, a daily examination of conscience. Mm. And that's something I'll do nightly. And, you know, whether you are, whether you don't believe in God or whether you come from a secular background or, or just a non-denominational Christian background, or whether you're, you know, even if you're Catholic, mm. I mean, you, everybody can do an examination of conscience. Everybody can um, can engage in honest self-reflection. Um, and, and there's a great quote from one of my favorite books called The Go-Giver by Bob Berg that um, he said, you know, one of the lines is, um, the cleansing pain of honest self-reflection. And I, I definitely have adopted that because there's something to be said for engaging in the cleansing pain of honest self-reflection because it is indeed cleansing, but it's also painful because you need to look inside of you and really assess and really evaluate your decisions. Um, because we all have things throughout the course or days of our life where uh, they, they might cause us to take pause or maybe think twice about something. Um, and then we go ahead and we make a decision, whether that's a good decision or a bad decision or a prosperous decision or uh, a negligent decision. Um, but then if we're able to engage in self-reflection at the end of the day and just, you know, with, with a broad stroke, kind of look at the events of our day and say, hey, how, just ask yourself a question. How did I show up today? How did I show up in this situation, in that situation, in, in, in whatever? Did, did I exercise patience here or was I impatient, right? And it's an amazing, it's a very humbling thing. Uh, and I was talking to my coach about this. It's, it's an amazing thing how, how quickly our emotions swing on a pendulum, right? And, and that's very revealing of, of human nature, right? I mean, one day we can just be so gung-ho on fire for something. And the next day we can just be down in the dumps. Like, well, why does that happen? You know, how, what, what's going on here? And, and just understanding that we need to think about how we're showing up. I mean, for an example, like just the other day, I was, I spend an hour in prayer in the morning you know, silent meditation with the scriptures, journaling, uh, praying a novena. And then I, you know, I had to go somewhere to run errands and I got in the car and I was in the car five minutes when there was some person stopped in front of me and, and there was so much space in front of them and they wouldn't pull up. And I started honking my horn and I was, I was cussing at him in my head. I'm like, then I, and I, I drove away after that. I'm like, what just happened? I literally just spent like an our praying and like just so fixated and so elevated, you know, on our Lord. And then all of a sudden, five minutes later, I'm just like, like a barbarian. I'm like, so like freaking ticked at this person in front of me. 
And I'm like, what happened there? I yeah. mean, it, it's, and at the end of the day, right? If I, if I never took the time to really sit down and evaluate that, okay, what happened? How can I do better going forward? What can I change? How can I check myself in certain situations? Because if we don't look at the results of our actions and how they make us feel, because, uh, you know, people will say, you know, forget your emotions. Don't, don't worry about them. That's kind of stoicism. It's like, just be an emotionless, like brick. Well, that's, that's not going to work. We need emotions. If you don't have emotions, you're a dead person. Um, and, and so, our emotions inform what's going on inside of us, right? We obviously can't wear them on our sleeves. We can't be driven by our emotions, but they inform what's happening in our interior life. Okay. They inform us. And so one thing that I've learned recently to recap growing in virtue is engaging in a daily examination of conscience, um, examining my actions, why I, I made the decisions I did, um, and, and considering ways to do better. Right. Um, just how it starts off, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean, right? What have mm -hmm. I done wrong? What have I done right? And what could I do? What could I have done better today? And just thinking about those things daily will make a mammoth change in how you show up in every area of your life. Um, and, and that's a really great thing to learn. Daily examination of conscience. Okay. Yep. I think I, I got to start adopting that then. For sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Um, and like to, to finish all this off, Oliver, what, if, you know, to someone who's struggling out there and who's listening, you know, yeah, they may not be a believer in Christ or they might be struggling in their faith or they may, yeah. they may not even know or have hope, um, that they should even be alive for anyone who's struggling there right now. What would, what would you tell them? Oh man. I, you know, there's a, there is a God. He exists. He's up there and he loves you dearly. And he wants a relation. to try to not overcomplicate things, right? Things, you know, when we try to, when we try to break them down a lot, they can seem really complicated and, and we can really get into it. And, and certain things are, you know, they have many layers to them, but, you know, God's love is very simple. Um, he loves us unconditionally, no matter what. And um, that's a really beautiful thing. And so I would tell that person that, look, man, whatever you've done, God loves you. He is present in your life. Got it. It froze for a little bit. So sorry for the lag. You're good. Um, got it, man. God loves you and he exists. Okay. Got it, man. I uh I usually I usually do like a a little game at the end of every podcast that I do. 
And so yeah. it basically is, I, I'm pretty sure there's a name for it, but I don't know what that name is, but uh, it's basically, I say one word and then what the first thing that comes to mind, you say it. You down to play it? Okay. Yeah, let's go. All right, cool. Right, well, food. Hot dogs. Hobby. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Reading. All right, all right. Movie. Forrest Gump. Nice. Uh, <laughs> summer. Green. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, faith. Divine mercy. Mm. Hope. Love. And love. <laughs> Red. I like that. I like that. That's good. That's good. <laughs> well, thank you, Oliver, man. I really do appreciate you coming out and talking with us. I learned a lot. Um, for anyone that wants to reach out to you, how should they contact you? You know, your Instagram handle and or uh, email or whatever else. How? Yeah. Promote absolutely. yourself. Um, so my Instagram is at oliver.pappas. And uh, you can reach me at email at hello at oliverroyal.com. So I'm happy to hear from you, folks. Let's, uh, let's definitely connect and have a conversation. Awesome. Yeah, man, let's do it. Um, let's end in prayer. All right. All right. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for, uh, for allowing us to speak um, from your word, from your scripture, to, to be able to share some thoughtful insights. Uh, thank you for anyone who's, who's listening. Um, we pray for all those souls that, that, are, that are hurting right now emotionally, physically, mentally. Um, we just offer all, all, of, uh, all of America, especially on this Independence Day coming up, we offer all of America to you, God. Um, God bless America. And uh, Holy Spirit, just be with us forevermore. As we pray in your name, amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you, Oliver. And uh, Thanks, thank you for awesome. joining us. Yeah, you like it? <laughs> yeah, dude. This is, I, love, I love this stuff, man. It's awesome. All right, man. Great. Well, thank you for joining us again, folks. And uh, we'll see you guys next time in Pursuing the Kingdom.